Well, good morning, Northside family. Real quick, can we welcome everybody in the video venue? Just want to say hey to them and uh, welcome. It's so glad that you are here. And if you didn't get to be here last weekend for our commitment weekend, it was a special, special weekend. Last weekend, we celebrated uh, being a church for the last 50 years. And we took a step of generosity to step into the next 50 years as a life of a church. And we know God has so much more in store for his church. And you guys took a generous step by saying, God, we're going to pray and step into all that you have for us. And a matter of fact, I got some pictures from last weekend. If you weren't here, where tons of people uh, took a step forward and they filled out a commitment card. Matter of fact, if you didn't get to be here last weekend and you were saying, hey, I didn't pick one of those up, you can grab one on the way out. And uh, the whole goal is this. We, we have numerical stuff that we're going after, but the whole goal of doing this setting the table initiative is that 100% of us would engage with who God is and what he's calling us to do. Matter of fact, uh, one of our, as our teams were collecting these cards, uh, they told me about one of the stories on one of the cards. Uh, this became my favorite story because in here it talks about, hey, you know, part of our gift goes to our normal budget, but then to say, hey, what's a step God's calling you to take beyond that? And someone filled out that their step of generosity beyond their normal giving, I love what they wrote in there. They wrote an amount and then in parentheses, they next to it said this, I'm giving up chewing tobacco. This is my money. And I went, I love my church, man. I mean, people are making sacrifices here going, this is something I pay for all the time and I'm gonna forego that because I wanna see people connect with Jesus. And, and then there was more stories that came in. Actually, these two kiddos here, and they're not even kiddos, they're young men now. And uh, the le- on the left there is Wyatt and Isaiah is on the right. They're part of our middle school ministry here. And they are embracing this idea that I am a table setter. That God is saying, I am using you, you and me both, to go set the table for others to meet Christ. And they are so committed to this, they begin to pray about what God is calling them to do. And this is what God put on their heart, is this. Over the next couple of months, their goal is they are going to work and they're going to raise over $3,000 so they can go invite 10 of their friends to camp this summer for free and to say, I want you at camp, you belong at the table, and I've made a way for you to do that. And man, that just warms my heart because I'm going, the next generation gets it. That the next generation is saying, no, 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 it's not just about Jesus is for me, it's about Jesus is for everybody, and it is my call to begin to invite others to the table. That's why when we talk about being a table setter, it means this, that you and I would take Jesus everywhere we would go. That we would take Jesus to our work, that we would allow Jesus to live in our home and to lead in our home. As a matter of fact, for parents in this room, I got to remind you about your calling. The scripture says this, that you are the primary pastor for your kiddos. Matter of fact, I've got to take that to heart. I can't just dish my kid off to the kid's side team and go, make them better than when I brought them to you. Now that's my prayer that every time they come back to, you know, from, from church, they're going, man, God is moving in their life. And matter of fact, this last Wednesday, uh, my daughter, Lily, she's in uh, second grade. She said, dad, it's all pro dad's day at school. Remember that. And so she came in quarter till six, woke me up, you know, way too early. She was all fired up. And it's kind of this moment where, you know, parents and their ki- dads and their kids get to talk about some life issues. And uh, I was fired up. We showed up there and uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit late. We got there about five minutes till it started at school this last Wednesday. There's like three cars in the parking lot. And I'm like, all pro dads, like all pro duds, right? You know, I'm like, this, you know, they're not even here. What type of dad is this? And, you know, we walk up there in my mind. I'm like, man, these guys, whew, they don't care. I walk up, all the lights are out in the school. And I look in there and the janitor's vacuuming. I'm like, wait a second. I open my phone. It's next Wednesday. And, uh, <laughs> I can find out all pro dud, right? And, uh, 
I'm like, oh, sorry, Lily, we're out, we're here at the right, you know, wrong day. And I said, what do you want to do? We had an hour before school. And she followed the Holy Spirit in that moment and said, we're going to Waffle House. And uh, <laughs> so this last Wednesday, we go to Waffle House. And we love to sit up at the tall bar, you know, makes her feel like a big kid. We're sitting up there at the tall bar. And then what began to happen was this, you know, all pro dads, you begin to talk about some life things. And we begin to talk about what Jesus is doing in her life. And this is what began to hit in this moment there about she's going, Dad, when's the next baptism class at church? And began to talk about her next step of following Jesus. And I just want to let you know, it is amazing how much conversation can can transcend any location. That right there in the middle of a Waffle House, God is talking and bringing spiritual conversations. And now next weekend, we are signed up, me and Ruthie, we're going to take Lily to the baptism class. And we're going to begin to take these next steps. And because God is saying this, Nate, I have called you to set the table in your house. That you would begin to tell your kiddos about who Jesus is. And you would begin to invite them to my table. And what an honor and a calling you and I both have to be table setters for those around us. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Sometimes we feel like we got to have all sorts of perfect conditions before we can share Christ. I was at the wrong place at the wrong time and then Jesus showed up in a Waffle House, right? Only Jesus can do that. And what Jesus is saying is this, you don't need to have the best food to have the best conversation. You just need to be willing to have the conversation. You just need to be willing to step into what I have for you. And this is what we're diving into over the next couple of weeks is we're going to be talking about how you and I can talk with our Heavenly Father. Because there's nothing more awkward than being invited to a table and sitting with someone you don't know, even if you have great food and just going, this is awkward. And what we desperately crave is meaningful conversation. When we are invited to God's table, he's saying, I have conversation for you. But the question for a lot of us is, okay, God has invited us to the table. How do I talk to him? And what do I even talk about? Because even for some of you, you're here today at church, you go, man, this even kind of feels a little bit uncomfortable. And so even church feels uncomfortable. How, how am I going to get comfortable talking with God? I remember one day I got invited to preach up at the uh, Senate, uh, the state Senate. And uh, they had pastors come in and kind of before a session, they would open up and they would say, hey, would you just pray for us? And I got up there, one of my friends invited me and got to be up there to pray. And right before, you know, I had my prayer read out, and I was written out. I was kind of nervous being in front of all these senators. And uh, I was going to go up there and pray. And right before I got up there, one of the chaplains came up to me and he said, hey, remember the five B's of prayer. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. And I said, well, what am I supposed to remember? He said, be brief, brother, be brief. (laughs) Some of you are praying that prayer right now. (laughs) Like, dude, I'm an hour short on sleep. Be brief, brother, be brief, I'll try. And I got up there and prayed and just got out of there and he just looked at me, it was a real quick prayer. He went, got the thumbs up. And sometimes, man, when we get into prayer, we don't know, okay, I got to be brief. And what do we need to do? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer because what the disciples did was this. They saw Jesus praying all the time. And even though they knew great Jewish prayers, they didn't know how to pray. And really what happens, why we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer is this, because Jesus unfolds and begins to lay out what prayer looks like, how you and I can talk with our Heavenly Father, how you and I can have this relationship with Him. Because oftentimes, even in that Jewish context, they had such an awe for God that they left God way up there and they were over here. And when Jesus said, our Father in heaven, what he was saying is this, God is personal. 
He is here to talk with you. He is here to walk with you. Matter of fact, over the next couple weeks, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, what I want to do today, we're going to dive into each part of that, but I want to kind of set the backdrop for this. And here's two things I want to really answer for us today that are going to set us on course about how we can dive in to this conversation with the Father, because we've been invited to his table, but he doesn't just want us at his table. He wants to talk with us. He wants to begin to know what's in our life. And the two questions that oftentimes come up is this. One, why pray? Some of you are going, Nate, why pray? If God is already going to know what I'm going to say, why do I need to even say it? Why do I even need to say that? You know, what's interesting is this. I didn't realize this until I did some studying that the word prayer actually comes from the Latin word precarious, meaning this, that when we pray, we have a lot of emotions and a lot of things going on inside of us. Matter of fact, if you just did some inventory of your life right now, you probably aren't just happy or you're probably not just sad or you're probably not just worried or you're probably not just wounded. Matter of fact, you might be all of those things at the same time. And what prayer does is this. Prayer says, I want to have a conversation about everything that is going on in every part of your life. And could it be that prayer, when we say, why do I need to pray if God already knows what I'm going to say? Could it be that prayer is actually more for you than it is for God? That God actually does know what is on your heart and he does know what you're going to say and you're wrestling through it. But prayer and the power of prayer is this. It's you actually coming to a place where you say it. We know how it is in our relationships. A lot of times we can see when things are tense, but nobody's talking. And then as soon as you break the ice, it's like, and a lot of times that's what happens to us in prayer. God knows what's in our heart. God knows what's going on, but he's going, I need you to begin to talk to me about it. And not only are we going to be talking about why do we pray, what I'm going to look at is this, what happens when when we pray? We're actually going to look at a time when Jesus prayed, not just talking about the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to look at when he prayed and what happened in his life because this is the same thing that happens in our life. This is why prayer is so important. Matter of fact, the theologian Rowan Williams says it this way. I love this quote that he says. He says, prayer more and more is not something we do, but what we are letting God do in us. See, prayer is not just something you do. Okay, I said my prayers, now I'm going to go on. No, 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 prayer is something what you and I are letting God do in our life. Matter of fact, if you read in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, what you find is this, Jesus is beginning to fulfill the law and he's beginning to show us a new way to live. If you want to know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, read Matthew chapter 5 through 7 because he begins to redo all sorts of things. He begins to reprioritize all sorts of ways of life and how we are to live. And he starts in part of it, right in the middle of it, by going after prayer. This is where we get the Lord's prayer from. Matter of fact, I want to put it up on the screen and I want us just to read this out loud together because what Jesus says, he goes, hey, here's the deal. I've got this prayer for you guys because they're going, we want to know what it looks like to pray. And he says, here's what it looks like to pray. And so let's read this out loud together. Are you ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, how many people grew up saying that prayer? You remember growing up saying that, right? How many people had no idea what you were saying when you said that prayer, right? You're like, I said it. I remember on my baseball team in high school, you know, we'd warm up and then all the players would get together and they'd say it. 
And I'm like, I don't remember the Lord's Prayer, including baseball, but we said that prayer, right? And we would still lose, but we said it, right? You know, and, and we were asking for the Lord. And here's what Jesus says. Sometimes we idolize this prayer like this is the prayer you have to say. And what Jesus was saying in this moment is, no, when you pray this, what I'm saying is this is covering all of your life. When you and I begin to say the Lord's Prayer, when we begin to take a part, and this is what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, when he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, what he's saying is this, God, your glory in my life, not mine. God, you are my priority, not me. Heavenly Father, my life is about you. And not only is my life about you and saying you're my purpose, he's saying this, God, here are the needs of my life. When he says, God, give us our, our daily bread, what he's saying is, bring your needs to the Father. What's going on in your life? What are you struggling with? Where are you going? What are you being tempted with in life? And pray for the Heavenly Father to help deliver you from that. Because you and I will always face temptation. See, the beautiful thing about Jesus in this moment is this. He is bringing us into the conversation with the Father. And what you and I need to realize is when he gave that prayer, what he was saying is this. This is what Jesus was telling the disciples and what he's telling you and I today. That we were made to pray. You were made to pray. Well, I'm not a pastor. You don't need to be an official pastor. All you need to be is made in the image of God, part of humanity, which you are. And God is saying, you were made to talk with me. You were made to talk with me about everything that's going on in your life. Our problem is a lot of times we only stay in one dimension of prayer. We wake up every day just asking God for stuff. God, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do that? And that is good. That's part of the Lord's prayer. Except the only thing is just Jesus said there's more to pray about than just your ask and your wants in your life. What's also good to pray is this. Father, would your will be done in my life? Father, you get glory in my life. I am about you above all things. Matter of fact, we have this book out uh, in the resource center for sale. This has helped me and even the series kind of, this has kind of prompted uh, doing this series, but it's a book entitled this, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And I got to keep it simple for myself. And what this whole book is, if you want to go a little bit deeper, you can pick a copy up out there. There's other books as well. Uh, but what this does is this book just outlines the, Lord prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And it puts an acronym to it. It's super easy for me to remember. And it's just the word pray. And here's how Pete, the pastor of this book, puts this out for pray. He says this, when you come to the Lord's Prayer, it's about us pausing to reflect on this. It's about us rejoicing it's about us asking and then us yielding to our Heavenly Father. And he says, here's the whole thing. With prayer, this is what begins to change in our life. And oftentimes he says this, the hardest part of prayer is actually just learning how to stop to pray. Because once we stop, we can begin to tell God what's going on in our life. Matter of fact, I found it fascinating. Bill Wilson, the co-founder the co of Alcoholics Anonymous, said this about prayer. He said when he broke free of alcohol, it wasn't until his prayer life changed that everything really began to change in his life. And he said this, I began to experience a fourth dimension, he said, of my life because of prayer. And he says, and what happened when I started praying was I began to know happiness, peace, usefulness, and a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. See, it's not just enough that you and I would break free of addiction. What you and I crave and what you and I need is relationship with our Heavenly Father. Matter of fact, this is, you might want to write this down as we've realized we are made to pray. It's this, that our relationship with God only goes as deep as our conversation with Him. 
This is why sometimes you can go, man, my soul needs more in life. And you go to church and you go, I've gone to church for a while, but I still feel the same way. And here's the deal, man, it is good to come to church. It is good for us to worship. It is good for us to serve one another. The only thing is this, if you are not talking with your heavenly father, your relationship with him is going to stay the same. And what happens is when we begin to pray, when we begin to step into this, everything begins to change. Everything in us. I love what this pastor Adrian Rogers says about this, uh, about the way that Satan wants to stop our prayer life. He says this, if Satan can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. That's all Satan wants. Satan's going, fine, if you're not going to be bad, I'm just going to make you busy. Because when you're busy, you have no time for God. And a lot of times we, we, we say that all the time. But man, I, I want to do that. I mean, I'm just busy. You know, I, I'm just busy. I love how uh, the blogger and author Ann Voskamp says this. Boy, this cut me to the heart. She says this when she said, when you start saying the word busy, man, I'd love, I, I know I need to do that. I'm just so busy. I know I need to get up a little bit early. I, I'm so busy. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. She said, what you need to do is you need to change the word. Instead of saying, I'm so busy, say this. It's just not a priority. So instead of saying, man, I, I'm so busy. I don't have time to go to church. Just say this. No, nah, church just ain't a priority. Hey, man, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to pray. Just say this. Prayer's not a priority. I'm like, I don't want to say that, right? Because now I'm really convicted, and what she's saying in that moment is this, we've got to realize how actually deceived we are by busyness and distraction in our life. And this is why we need to learn this whole thing of prayer in our life. Matter of fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He says on the judgment day when he comes and he said, people are going to go, hey, God, we did all these things in your name. Lord, Lord, we did all this great stuff. And then he said this, and some of them I'm going to look at and say this, depart from me because I never, what? Anybody remember? I never knew you. I never knew you. You never made any time for me. You didn't have any of this relationship with me. You didn't, I know you're at my table, but you didn't listen. You didn't let your life be led by me. You didn't let me be in lead. You didn't have this relationship in my life. And so matter of fact, this is what I just want to do for a second. Let's just take a prayer audit. I know we're all an hour low on sleep, all right? You know, some of you are like, be brief, brother. Okay, we're getting there, okay? Here's what I want us to do. I just want you to begin to take inventory real quickly of your life. And then I just want to put a couple questions up on the screen. When we begin to talk about this prayer life, because the next couple of weeks, this is what our, our hope and our prayer is, is that you would develop a deeper relationship with your heavenly father. Just ask yourself these questions, just kind of, just out of, off the cuff real quick from your gut. When do you pray? When do you pray? What do you pray about? And maybe this might be the more important one. What's keeping you from praying? See, what happens is when we begin to pause and we ask these deeper questions, it begins to unfold some real issues in our heart and our life. That God begins to pull some of these things out of us. Because here's what's amazing. The one who could have lived a whole life without praying actually did everything through prayer. When you look and you study the life of Jesus, everything Jesus did was through and by prayer. Matter of fact, before he started his ministry, he spent 40 days praying and fasting before he started his ministry. Everything was through prayer. 
30 times it's recorded throughout the Gospels that he slipped away to pray with his heavenly father. Now, here's the deal. He probably prayed more than that, but what it meant this, he was constantly, here he is, he's Jesus, man. He has so much work to do. You got to save the world. You are busy. And he goes, uh, I got to get away and pray. I got to get away and pray. Matter of fact, I find it amazing in that in John chapter 8, we love the story that when Jesus didn't condemn the woman who was caught in adultery, but called her to himself, set her free from her sin, and then said, go and sin no more. And we go, man, I wish I could get forgive like that. And you know what Jesus was doing before he said that to her in John 8? He was praying. Guys, I'm going to give you real easy questions, all right? I'm not going to try and trick you. I'm not trying to make you feel dumb. Right? He was praying. But you know where he was praying? The scripture says this, that he was praying in the Mount of Olives. I got to go to Israel a couple years ago, and here's the view from the Mount of Olives. And what it does is it overlooks the temple. And what Jesus was doing in that time of prayer is this. He was praying for the people in Jerusalem. He was praying for people to know him. Have you ever found that when you are praying for your enemy or praying for people who have hurt you, it's a lot harder to get mad at them? Some of you are like, no, I never prayed for an enemy. Well, here, this is going to be a goal for this series, all right? What's amazing is this, that Jesus was constantly praying for other people. And so when he ran into him, his heart was ready to give them grace. He was ready to give them God. He was ready to lead them in the way of peace because he had been praying for them. This is why Jesus also says this, pray for those who persecute you and love your enemies. You know how you're going to love your enemy? It's not going to be by just a trait that you have because I don't have that trait. It's going to be by you and I taking time to pray and saying, Father, would you do a work in me that is not of me, but is only of you? In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says that Jesus spent a whole night in prayer before he selected the 12 disciples. Anybody got big decisions to make in your life? Anybody being woke up in the middle of the night going, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? great opportunity to pray. And isn't it fascinating that we say this, I've done everything I can I guess I'll pray. And I'm like, man, what if we change that? And instead of saying, God, I mean, I guess you are the creator of the world and you do hold all things together. I guess I'll invite you in on my situation. And what if we moved from God being our last resort to our first resort? What if we began to say, God, no, I'm going to invite you in on this. No, God, I'm going to ask your direction. No, God, I'm going to let your leading because what was it that Jesus did on the cross? He said this, when here he is, he's being nailed to the cross, being punished, being persecuted. He didn't just start yelling back at people. He said this, Father, forgive them because what? Anybody remember? They don't know what they're doing. And in that moment, here he is on the cross. You're going, the last thing you would think about doing on the cross is praying. It's the first thing Jesus thought about. God, the only way I can make it through right now is to begin to pray. The only way in my situation right now is to begin to pray. Some of you are in such a hard position right now that you're going, the only thing you actually have is prayer. And God is saying, that is what I want for you. This is how you are to live with me. Matter of fact, we're bringing back, we want to help begin to invest into you and begin to invest prayer. And one of the things that we're going to do is this. 
uh, we want to invest in you guys with our prayer prompts. There, we had these breath prayers that we did at the beginning of the year. It was amazing. Over 3,600 of you signed up. If you didn't sign up for these daily text prayers, we're going to put this on the screen. I'm going to ask a dangerous thing. If you want to sign up, pull out your phone and sign up for these. All right. But what happens is this. We're, what we're going to do starting tomorrow is we will send you a prayer at 10 a.m. for you to pray. Some of you are going, Nate, I want to pray. I just don't know how to pray. Hey, we're going to write you a prayer, right? Jesus prayed the Psalms. He didn't even come up with his own prayers, right? He cheated, right? You can cheat as well, right? No, and this is what happened. Jesus would pray scripture. We want to give you scripture to pray. And, and here's what I want you. We'll put it back up there just for a second. Just simply text the word, join God to 41411. And if you were part of this last, you'll get these again. But what's amazing is we'll send you a prayer at 10 a.m. and then we'll send you a reflection question at 4 p.m. Because what we want to do is we this. We want to start cultivating a life of prayer in our church. That we're saying, God, we are walking with you all the time. Listen what Mark Thompson says about the anatomy of the soul. He says this. He says that neurons that fire together wire together. That when you face situations in your life, and you, have, and you begin to practice habits with those situations, the neurons that fire together, wire together, meaning this, your brain creates neural pathways, Mark says, based on habits, both good and bad, which then become a part of who we are. And what happens is this, prayer is this discipline that God wants to create in our life, not just something that you do, but when things come up in your life where the first instinct is for you and I to begin to pray. God, I'm worried, and we begin to take our worries to God. God, I'm afraid, and we begin to begin to bring our fears to God. And we're going, God, we want to begin to step into this. But here's the beautiful thing. God didn't just make us to pray. God made us to pray together. See, this isn't just about you praying to God and now go pray. This is about us praying together. Did you notice in the Lord's Prayer how Jesus said this? Our Father in heaven, right? Our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not in temptation. See, this whole thing about praying is about you and I praying together for one another. I love how our prayer team here, one of their whole uh, principles when, after, when you stay after to get prayed for is this. One of the things they want to do is this. They don't want to just pray for you. They want to pray with you. Meaning this, they want to encourage you to pray what's on your heart. We want to pray together. We want to lift one another up. Matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, there's this passage. You'll hear a lot of pastors use this, uh, you know, and they use this to make sure people are in church. It says this in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. Right, spring breakers, right? You know, and pastors love to use that to guilt people. Hey, don't give up going to church. The only problem is this. That passage only makes sense when you read what it says before and after. And listen to what it says before that passage. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says this, let us, not, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now that changes what church looks like, doesn't it? Instead of just saying, you better be at church, what it means is this, as the church what happens when you and I are looking and we are praying and we are looking how we can spur one another on to follow Jesus? See, that changes what church looks like. That changes my perspective when I come in here. Instead of be brief, brother, be brief, I come in going, man, God, how can you use me today? God, how can I encourage one another today? How can I maybe come to the point where I can pray for one another? 
But here's the thing that we've got to realize. Man, God has made us to pray. He has made us to pray together. But here's the deal. You and I have to make space to pray. We've got to make space to pray. If we're going to begin to see this relationship cultivated in our life, that we are at the table with our Heavenly Father, we have got to give him space in prayer to say, God, we are letting you speak. Because what's fascinating is this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus, before he gets to the Lord's Prayer, he says this. And when you pray, when you pray, meaning this, that you and I would be praying, that you and I would be creating space to pray. And what I want to look at right now is I want to look at what happens when we pray. And I want to look at what happened particularly in the life of Jesus when he prayed. See, the reason why we pray is because it is for our good and our soul. But here's what happens when we pray. And I want to look at this passage in Mark chapter 1. Because all of us in this room are busy. All of us have stuff going. And listen what happens in the life of Jesus. Here he is. He's busy. In Mark chapter 1 verse 32. And it says this. It says, that evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus, all the sick and demon possessed. Now, just for a moment, catch on to that. It was after sunset because a lot of times they didn't want to be seen. They wouldn't want to be known. And yet Jesus has time for those who a lot of people don't care about, who a lot of people don't have time for. Jesus says, I have time for you. That's why we pray because God has time for us. And it says that evening they brought all the sick and the demon possessed out. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And he also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. A whole night of healing. A whole night unbelievable work of God. He was busy. But then listen what it says in verse 35. Very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, he left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. After a whole night of ministry, after unbelievable work, he gets up, he makes space to go meet with his father to pray. And it said, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Then Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also, because this is why I have come. And he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, some of you are going, Nate, what does this mean? What, what do you mean what happens when we pray? I'm not picking up on this. Here's what happens when Jesus prayed. Here's why he was praying. Because prayer always replenishes us. He spent a whole night, a whole night doing ministry. Some of you, man, you, you, spent, you are spent. And you know why we pray? Because people can wear us out, can't they? All the introverts in this room, quietly in your heart, say amen, right? Because you're not going to say it out loud. You're like, amen, right? You know? And Jesus, he's sitting there going, man, I've spent a whole night with people, a whole night doing ministry, loving people, healing people. I got to get away. If you want me to love you, I got to get away from you, right? Some of you parents have said that. You need to step back right now. Right, You need to go to the other room right now. And what we're saying is this, I need some space. The reason why Jesus prayed was this. In his humanity, he realized I need replenishment with my heavenly father. He was fully God and yet he was fully man. This is why we follow him. He shows us how to live a life of fullness. And one of the greatest things that you and I can do, especially after we spend ourselves, is to go spend time with our heavenly father. 
And what happens is when we begin to spend time with him, our hearts get full. We begin to remember, no, life isn't based on us and it's not lived from our energy and it's not based on our ability. It is based on our heavenly father. This is why one of my favorite phrases of all time that I'll just keep for forever. Uh, it's by this pastor, Mark Batterson up in Washington, D.C. Listen to what it says. He says this. He says, a change of pace plus a change of place equals a change of perspective. A change of pace and a change of place equals a change of perspective. See, when you and I begin to slow down a little bit, some of you are so looking forward to your spring break trip, and you know why? It's going to be a change of pace. It's going to be a change of place. And what happens is this, when you and I get away with our Heavenly Father, there begins to be a change of perspective that comes into our life. See, this is why Jesus prayed. He's going, no, I need to be replenished. I need to have time with our heavenly father. But here's the other thing that happens in Jesus's life. It reminds us, this is what prayer does. It reminds us of whose voice is most important in our life. It reminds us, did you hear what they said? Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And isn't that too oftentimes what we want in this world, Right? How many followers can I get? How many retweets? How many likes, right? How many approval? How much can we get? And he comes to Jesus and he says, everybody is looking for you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not the voice. And you know why we pray? Because when we pray, this is what we said. I don't care if everybody's looking for me. When we pray, this is what we're saying. Father, I'm looking for you. Father, you're the most important voice in my life. See, when you and I pray, what we're saying is this, God, you are the loudest voice. I am here for you. I'm going to let you speak into my life more than my voice, more than what I think is right. Heavenly Father, I want what you want. And this is what Jesus did. And here's what happens. That prayer began to lead to his purpose. See, when you and I pray, what happens is this. When you and I begin to be replenished by God, when we begin to soak on his word, when we begin to pray Jesus' prayers, when we begin to live the Jesus life, he replenishes us. He reminds us of whose voice is so important. And then he gives us his purpose. He says this, this is why I've come. I've come not just so that people, I'm, just, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm here to do the will of my Father, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know my purpose because I'm living a life of prayer. The question is this, have you made room to pray? You were made to pray. You were made to talk with your heavenly father. You weren't just made to sit at his table. You were made to dialogue with him. And so here's what I wanna do. As we begin this prayer journey over the next couple of weeks, two things I wanna do. I want us to take some time right now to pray. And then this is what we're gonna do. Then we're gonna pray together. We're gonna do something we've never done here before, all right? We're gonna pray together here in a second, but this is what I want us to do right now. I want us to spend some time praying. Some of you are going, Nate, I don't know how to pray. I'm going to put two questions up on the screen that can lead you into prayer and you can help lead anybody else into prayer no matter where they are. Matter of fact, if we're going to be table setters, if we're going to help other people, this is how we can help other people pray. Here are the two questions that if you want to begin praying today and if we want to be people who pray, this is what we need to answer. How's our heart and what do you and I need the Lord to do for us? How's our heart? What do you need the Lord to do for you? And so right now, just take a moment. Just maybe close your eyes if you want to focus a little bit. 
and begin just to answer those two questions right where you are. Tell the Lord, how's your heart? You're anxious, you're worried, you're hurt, you're afraid. How's your heart? Tell him right now. What do you need the Lord to do for you? Begin to tell him, begin to ask him. God, this is what I need. Heavenly Father is listening. He's wanting to journey with you. He's not just asking you to be good, He's asking for your heart. And the beautiful thing is this we were made to pray, we were made to talk with Him, but we were also made to pray together. And here's what I want us to do today. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to do a prayer together. And we prayed this prayer as a staff this week. And it was such a good prayer. One of our staff members wrote it and we prayed this together and it was so unique. I went, well, you know what? We need to do this as a church family. And here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna read the words that are not in bold and then you guys are gonna say in unison together, you will say his love never quits. And what this whole prayer is this, this was a prayer of thanksgiving that we prayed as a staff this week after finishing setting the table because God has invited us to this table. But God's saying, you're not just at my table, I wanna talk with you. I wanna walk with you, you were made to talk with me. And so I know we're short on an hour of sleep. Be brief, we're gonna be brief, all right? But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer out loud. I'm gonna read the line and then you guys are gonna say out loud together, his love never quits, all right? So here we go. We're gonna start this. We're gonna pray this together. I'm gonna say it and then you'll say the word in bold. Thanks be to the God who has provided everything we need in Jesus. Hey, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, 945, right? Who asked of us what some thought impossible who took us to the Yum Center as we began to wonder about that no more flood promise he made to Noah. Who stirred the hearts of his people to come to the table. Who sends us into the alleys to invite them to come in. Who says there is still room for more at his table. Who forgives all our sins and calls us to forgive 70 times seven. Who tells us you give them something to eat and then multiplies loaves and fishes and cupcakes. And amen, right? And waits patiently for us when we wander into a distant land. Who makes a mad dash for us upon our return who reminds us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Who says, time now to get ready. 
who calls us to follow his presence and live in his reverence because we've never been this way before. Because tomorrow, God will do amazing things among you. May we talk with him, amen? God bless you guys. We'll see you this week. Walk with the Lord. Sign up for the prayer text if you haven't signed up yet.